Hi, I'm Maria, and this is uh, Building Bridges, a podcast made in collaboration with Kings and Brescia. Um, in each episode, we will talk about a topic that is interesting to the students from Kings or Brescia, and we are hoping to bring some student concerns to the light. Every other episode, we will have a guest, such as today, we have Emily Carruthers here. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, my name is Emily Carruthers, and at Kings, I am the campus and community social worker. All right, that's exciting. Um, so today's episode topic is food insecurity on university campuses, not just on Western or Western affiliate colleges campuses, but also just in the whole of London. Um, so Emily Carruthers' experience uh, with students who are food insecure on campus will give us all some insight into the issue and how pervasive it is on campus. So it's lovely to have you. Um, what does your job as the campus and community social worker entail? That's a great question. So my job, uh, I'm, I'm cross-appointed. So I do some work in the School of Social Work, and then I do some work in student affairs. And so my work in student affairs, uh, I kind of explain to students that my work is helping students when they're having a tough time. Mm -hmm. And that often encapsulates things like housing insecurity and food insecurity, financial issues, those sorts of things. Um, and so my role is to meet with those students, uh, see what supports we can offer, see what referrals we can offer, uh, and help them out of whatever hard time they're experiencing. All right, awesome, thank you. Um, so of course, with this being an episode on uh, food insecurity, we will begin talking about this topic specifically. Okay, so to get started, I think that defining the terms for what insecurity actually is, is very important to have everybody on the same page. Um, so well, how would you define food insecurity? Well, that's, a, that's a good question. So I think food insecurity doesn't just mean that you don't have enough food to eat. It can also mean that you don't have culturally appropriate foods or foods that fit your specific needs. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, you know, foods for specific allergies or specific mm -hmm. health conditions as well. Um, and so we do have lots of students who perhaps have some access to food, but perhaps that food that they have access to isn't the food that they specifically require. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's good. So would you happen to know any um, food insecurity resources or initiatives in the London community? Yeah, there's there's tons. Um, London is London is pretty lucky that we've got lots and lots of really active social service organizations mm -hmm. um, and uh, kind of a robust uh, shelter system that really has, in the last couple of years, turned its head towards food insecurity and housing insecurity specifically. Mm -hmm. um, we also have kind of a really interesting network of community and, and neighborhood associations as well. Um, and so in London, uh, both the Crouch Neighborhood Association and uh, the Glencairn Community Resource Center uh, help with food insecurity within London. And so that can include uh, people going there for, for food items, for baby mm -hmm. formula, those sorts of things, as well as food delivery, uh, breakfast items, that sort of stuff. Um, and then there's also a few other organizations. So, so Lifespin, um, which is couched in the Old East Village, but they offer supports uh, for folks who are struggling with food insecurity, particularly children. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's lots of other uh, organizations. So the South London Neighborhood Resource Center, Meals on Wheels London, Urban Roots, the London Food Coalition. And then there's the Middlesex London Food Policy Council, which attempts to kind of meet and chat about food insecurity uh, more broadly in the region. That is a lot of very useful resources. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. Um, so because you work here at King's Campus, how pervasive do you feel the food insecurity issue is here specifically? Uh, I think that's a great question. I think it's a hard question to answer, to be completely mm -hmm. honest with you, because I think that 
um, there is a piece of being a university student that also uh, causes people to feel like they really need to do things themselves, that they can't ask for yeah. supports. Um, and I think there's also a narrative around being a student. Um, you know, particularly in a North American context, we can understand mm -hmm. that there's lots of stories uh, around, you know, all you're going to eat for, a, you know, four years is ramen noodles or craft mm -hmm. dinner. Um, and I think I would still identify that if all you can afford to eat is ramen noodles every single day or craft dinner, that that is a form of food insecurity. Mm -hmm. um, and so in terms of understanding how pervasive it is, I certainly chat with lots of students who are experiencing food insecurity and offer them supports. But I also think that there's probably lots of students experiencing food insecurity that don't reach out for supports. Yeah. And so it is uh, a little hard for us to understand how pervasive it is. Yeah. That being said, what we understand is happening in London right now it's kind of a convergence of, um, you know, a, a housing uh, crisis, yeah. uh, an inflation crisis, oh, yeah. and lots of folks will try to maintain their housing at the expense of, of having enough food. Mm -hmm. um, and so I suspect that that's also something that's happening with students right now. Yeah, for sure. I've heard a lot of stigma around food insecurity, um, and we will talk more about that later in the episode. Now that we have a proper definition of what food insecurity is or something that nears it, um, we can talk about the varying degrees of which uh, students can be affected by food insecurity. Qualitative interviews by Elaine Power, Julie Dietrich, and Susan Bellier uh, from Queen's University in 2021 found that students experience three degrees of food insecurity, which are A, the marginal, when the student is worried about running out of food or having limited food to eat, B, the moderate, when the student is limiting their quantity of food and the quality of food, and C, severe, when the student is full on skipping meals, um, reducing their food intake, and or going one or more days without eating. Um, we also found a paper from Maynard et al. in 2018 with qualitative interviews with students from University of Waterloo. Um, the authors found some key themes with food insecurity there. To run through them quickly, um, they recognized that students would compromise the quantity and quality of food to save money because they don't have a lot of money to spend in the first place. Students desire independence and control. Some do ask their families for funds, um, but feel immensely guilty doing so because they want to prove to their family that they're adults, that they're independent, and that they don't really need to rely on friends and family. Some students refuse to tell their parents that they were food insecure. The stigma on being food insecure and being socially excluded is also an issue. Um, this is a big theme for later in the episode, as I mentioned beforehand. In North American college culture, normalizing the starving student experience, um, and a huge amount of uni students are food insecure, but they think that it's just a part of being a student here in North America. And it is used as a way to solidify the university student's struggle. So for food insecurity in Western and broader London community, we the hosts found a community final project paper from a group of Western students, a paper by Ishak et al. from 2022. These authors consulted with the London Food Bank, Western's Housing and Ancillary Services, and Western's Food Support Services to receive their insights and points. I highly recommend uh, reading the full paper, but to sum it up, they highlighted five things. That would be... A, social economic class of the parent. Many university students do not have the financial support of their families and may not be able to receive financial aid when attending university, especially in the case of international students. Students who are born in a lower socioeconomic class are more vulnerable to the cycle of poverty and in turn struggle with food insecurity. Reason B would be stigma. Uh, many students suffer in silence because they're supposed to be independent and not ask for help academically or for their mental health um, or financially. 
As a result of the stigma, students may be discriminated against if they are labeled the food insecure student. And many students don't want to physically go to a food bank for the fear of being seen or labeled as such. Students also tend to believe that they are not food insecure enough to use their food resources um, and refrain from using them at all. C would be the rising cost of living. The government is not engaged on the current issues of housing, tuition, or the student income gap. This cost of living has gone up drastically in London in the past few years, making it harder to afford rent. And tuition has risen steadily for domestic students and exponentially skyrocketed for international students. And many Western students are not employed and do not have the support of their families, making it extremely difficult to be able to afford food. Thus, students tend to cut down or nearly eliminate food altogether, which is harmful side effects. Recently, it would be more students are non-traditional students. The average age of university students they cite is 26 years old, compared to the traditional 18 to 22-year-old students. Thus, many older students have more financial responsibilities to tend to um, compared to a fresh high school graduated student. So, for example, having children, mortgages, and full-time jobs uh, makes it difficult for students to be financially stable, which contributes to food insecurity. This is a lot of information to take in, but I'm hoping that you will stay tuned for the rest of this episode um, because this is a very important subject that affects many students on campus um, across the Western affiliate colleges, Western itself, and London. So one final important fact to mention is that in the Queen's paper, they found that the first-generation students, international students, indigenous students, law students, and students very new to living on their own struggled the most with food insecurity at Queen's. So with all of that said, let's turn to Emily for our next guiding question of this episode. Do you think that there is a stigma of using food banks and other food resources in the King's community? Mm. Yeah, I think using food resources and food banks inherently kind of comes with a stigma, right? And I think that's something that um, we've heard for years from uh, the London Food Bank is that oftentimes the folks that are most likely to access it are our families and most likely uh, families with children um, who, who feel kind of an immediate need and a necessity to, to access those resources. Um, and the London Food Bank reports that over 40% of the folks that use the London Food Bank are children. And so what I take from that is that families who feel that their children will go hungry uh, feel like they can subvert that stigma and access food banks. Um, I think in the King's community there's definitely some stigma and, and we've tried to address that and allow students to um, access things like grocery cards and our food pantry in a way that allows some confidentiality. Um, so our food pantry is put in a place on campus where it's a pretty low traffic area in a building that's really well known. So we wanted students to uh, have uh, easy access uh, through the building, but also allow them um, some, some confidentiality and allow them to sort of break down some of that stigma so that they can access food supports. Okay, yeah. that's very good to know. So do you find that the type of students mentioned in the paper, such as law students, indigenous students, first um, generation students, are the ones you often help to find resources here at King's? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. And I think what we're breaking down in that group of students is really that there are some students with a social safety net and some mm -hmm. students who don't have a social safety net. Mm -hmm. And so I would say absolutely the students that I'm most likely to help are students without a social safety net. Mm -hmm. So students who perhaps grew up or are currently experiencing poverty, uh, students um, who uh, were food insecure when they were younger, international students, racialized students. Mm -hmm. 
um, students who are typically from um, you know, oppressed groups mm -hmm. are the ones who are students who are most likely to need financial resources, access to community supports, and food. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering if you think that people truly grasp how big the food insecurity issue is both inside and outside of university um, settings? I think if people truly grasped uh, the level of poverty that a lot of uh, folks are living in, that things would change. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I say that gently because there are lots and lots of folks invested in, in support. And mm -hmm. I think um, we're really lucky at King's that um, you know, when campus ministry and student affairs and students council uh, sort of decided that the food cupboard was something that we needed to open, that mm -hmm. there was no pushback. There was kind of wide understanding that this is something that our students mm -hmm. need. Um, but I also think that because things have shifted so drastically, particularly since COVID, that it is really hard to understand, mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how students are achieving housing, mm -hmm. how they're paying rent, how they're buying yeah. food, um, how they're working and achieving their, their degrees. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's probably likely never been harder to be a student. Mm -hmm. And yet what we know is that the students that access supports here on campus are significantly more resourced than their same age peers in community um, mm -hmm. who don't have campus supports. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are often the folks that I think of as well, the youth and community who um, perhaps are experiencing similar stigma but don't have a social worker or a department that they can go to and ask for some supports from. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. The stigma around food insecurity and the struggling university student is so big that even though I personally am lucky enough to not struggle with food insecurity, most of my peers do, and they don't talk about it in a serious manner. They talk about it as if it was some like casual joke that every other student experiences here at university. And although they do, it's still kind of distressing to watch how it's becoming normalized and how mm. it's become normalized. Like the, oh, I eat ramen noodles every night and like every now and then I get lucky and I have a boiled egg. Like that's very concerning. And it's, mm. it makes you think about how many people also have an eating disorder or how many people develop health issues from this. And it's so important to share these resources so that people know that there is another way to go about this and there is help out there. Mm. I think, too, that there is an assumption, um, and, it, and it's perhaps a North American assumption, but that everyone who goes to university is extremely privileged. And I think what we know is that's not true, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, King's has a higher percentage than Western of students who access financial supports to come here. Um, so that might be, um, you know, bank loans, OSAP, bursaries. Um, and we also have a higher percentage of students who access accessibility counseling. And so mm -hmm. what we know is we have a higher percentage of students who identify as having a disability here mm -hmm. at King's. Uh, and we know that students who experience disability, uh, similar to in community, that they typically live off of a lower income. Mm -hmm. And so I think there are assumptions made about who a post-secondary student is in 2023 that aren't necessarily true in terms of who they actually are and what they're actually grappling mm -hmm. with. Yeah. It is a very complicated subject. Like even though I don't, like I said, I don't struggle with food insecurity, sometimes I am a disabled student as well. Uh, and sometimes even though I have the resources, it's still hard to keep up with the hard schedules and the timing and everything. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I'll just buy food at the school. And the food is like $9 for a really small package of food. So there's a lot of issues surrounding food in general on campus. But thankfully, you're here to help us share some of those resources. So let's move along. 
So Western University has a food bank and they run under the hamper system. This is where students can anonymously complete an online form where they can request food. It provides students with one to two days worth of food and no limit in how often students can use the system. Students can go receive their food in a locker located in the UCC basement with 48 hours um, of food drop-off. Kings very recently did their grand opening of the Kings Cupboard, a food initiative by Kings students struggling with food insecurity. You're a huge part in that initiative, Emily. Would you like to explain to listeners how that works? Yeah, sure. So um, I would love to take credit for the food cupboard, but it's it's actually Campus Ministry and Student Affairs and um, and Students Council uh, who came together once we realized that Western um, had to close their walk-in supports. So they are definitely still running under a hamper system, and mm-hmm. students can still request hampers, uh, but they don't have any drop-in supports. And so we really felt like it was important to respond with something that would help uh, in the immediate for students here on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what we've done is just, it's, it's quite simple, it's just a cupboard in the basement of the Student Life Center close to the mm-hmm. gym, and students can go and take what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're, what we're hoping for is that the King's community will sort of take some ownership for this, mm-hmm. and we're collecting donations um, from faculty and staff, as well as trying to raise some money. Um, Mm -hmm. so that we can make this initiative something that is kind of stitched into the fabric of how we care for students here at Mm -hmm. King's. That's very exciting. I've seen the Instagram post and it's it's great. It looks amazing. So what do you personally think is the first step for removing the stigma around being food insecure? Yeah, that's a hard question. I feel like if I had the answer to that one, um, I would uh, would be like wearing that t-shirt all the time. I think something that we really tried to do uh, and we really grappled with when we were opening the food cupboard Mm -hmm. is um, how to A, uh, make it confidential enough for students to feel like they could access it, Mm -hmm. but B, also make it... uh, you know, normalize it enough here on campus that there are students uh, and faculty and staff Mm -hmm. who don't have enough food to get through the day. Mm -hmm. And so something we did really intentionally is advertise it as a food cupboard for kind of anyone in King's community, including Mm -hmm. faculty and staff. Um, Understanding that it's not just students who experience food insecurity, but that food insecurity is uh, a piece of what's happening right now because of really larger contextual pieces. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I really hope that you know things like this podcast, things like the food cupboard, ongoing conversations that are brought up by the fact that we need to open a food cupboard mm-hmm. um, will help to break down some of the stigma and not make food insecurity something that just a few students are dealing with, mm-hmm. but understanding that food insecurity is something that loads of us are dealing with mm-hmm. and that actually the institution does have some responsibility to respond to. Yeah, I feel yeah. like a lot of time um, faculty and staff get lost between all of the students and it's really important to acknowledge how hard they're also working for everything to run here. So I'm really glad that it's openly advertised as something that anybody in the King's community can access. So do you have any other suggestions for the Western Bank or King's for helping food insecure students? Mm. I hope mostly that we're able to keep it stocked with food mm-hmm. that um, will be both culturally and you know dietarily responsive to yeah. what students are needing. Um, and, and I also hope that we can help the King's community, and I, and I really think that they do. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I've been a social worker for a long time. I've worked in community, and I've worked in post-secondary, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I know that I work for King's, and so I should be supportive of King's, but I also feel deeply that there are people here who genuinely care about how students are doing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really hopeful that this is just the beginning on the road of um, you know, a, a wider menu of things that we can do to help support students mm-hmm. and faculty and staff 
as we all exist in this community together. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. So thank you for your insight today. It was absolutely lovely to have you on the podcast. Do you have any social media links or handles that um, our listeners can find you on? <laughs> no, but I do have an email address. So um, there's there's two email addresses that students uh, or faculty or staff who are needing supports can use that go directly to me. So um, if you forget my name, that's fine. Uh, you just have to email care at kings.uwo.ca or at risk at kings.uwo.ca. So we do have uh, something called a student care team, mm -hmm. which has folks from kind of all over campus that sit on it uh, and try to come up with initiatives that might be um, helpful for students and, and responsive to mm -hmm. student needs. And so if somebody is needing a grocery card, if somebody is needing um, different foods in the food cupboard, mm -hmm. uh, if somebody is needing housing supports mm -hmm. um, or resources in community, uh, we're here to, to support. and. Um, you know, it's really important that students feel like we're part of a partner uh, on campus that they can come to confidentially mm -hmm. and, and access the supports that they need. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much. So there's always help. There's always resources. There's always somebody who's looking out for you. Um, I'm Maria. This is Building Bridges. And we'll see you on the other side.